This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today, we have something special for you, something different, something that hopefully is going to bring a smile to your face and perhaps kind of take you on a journey with us since most all of us are currently quarantined at home and unable to travel. We thought, hey, let's take people on a trip or multiple trips through the podcast. And the reason that we chose this topic, which I'll tell you what it is in just a minute, is because I've been really waffling over what types of podcast episodes to do during this pandemic. It's a very stressful, <laughs> stressful um, different time in history, and it feels odd to be putting out content mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, there's so much upheaval in the world and you feel like we kind of just really need to be talking about the mm-hmm. upheaval. But well, And there's a lot of heaviness too. A lot of heaviness, a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, a lot of anxiety. And I hear it from those of you who follow me, listen to the podcast, read what I write, read my blog post, follow me on Instagram every single day. And so on the one hand, I want to make sure that I'm not just sticking my head in the sand and acting oblivious to put out normal content. But on the other hand, I feel like sometimes the heaviness of hearing about coronavirus, coronavirus, COVID-19, that can just weigh on you and people might be looking for something that is a little bit more normal. (laughs) 
So as I was waffling through this, I just asked on Instagram a few days ago and I said, what kind of podcast episodes would you all like? And I said, this is where I'm at and this is what I'm struggling with. And I usually don't struggle with what kind of content to put out, but this is a weird time in history. Well, I would say 95 to 97% of the responses, and there were a lot of them, were people saying, Crystal, could you please do something that is non-COVID related? And then a lot of people asking for something that is lighthearted and different. And then there were multiple suggestions. And one that kept coming up was people asking for embarrassing moments and crazy travel stories. So Jesse and I talked and we decided we're going to kind of meld the two in a sense because we're going to share four of our craziest travel stories. And we had a boatload of stories to choose from. That just tells you, I, I don't know, it's like crazy follows us on the road and in planes. It just, we, we attract, there's never, it, there, it's rare that we ever have a trip where it was like, well, that went without any hiccup <laughs> or any wild thing. So we've got four of our best, craziest travel stories that we're going to share for you today. And we're going to start with my very first international trip to South Africa. And we're not going to start at the beginning of the trip. We're going to start at the end of the trip. So picture with me. Okay. What year was this? This was 2000. Oh, you got to put me I on the spot. I think it's 2015. I was going to guess 14, but I think 15 is right. So five years ago, I'd never gone on a plane for longer than a few hours. I had traveled to the Dominican Republic at this point with you, mm -hmm. but otherwise I had never done an international trip like this. I mean, this was way outside my comfort zone and it was a big deal for the two of us, for us to be separated for that long and for me to be halfway around the world and so many unknowns and experiencing all of this. Well, the, keep in mind time frame. This is when Ebola was going on in West Africa. So I was concerned with, because one of the stops that you made was in West Africa, mm -hmm. but I don't know if that place, uh, I think that place was hit with Ebola and it was really rampant at the time. And this was also, we need to set the stage. You were still struggling with a lot higher levels of anxiety right. at this point. Right. So just to let me go halfway around the world for, I think it was seven or eight days total by myself. I mean, I went with people, but it was, you know, it wasn't like I was going with you. Right. And experiencing so many unknowns, that was very stressful for you. Yeah, it was very stretching. And we were in DC the whole time that you were gone because you flew out of Washington, DC. And I stayed there and took the kids all around DC, had a lot of fun. But that was stretching in and of itself for me as well. Yes. So you'd had kind of this, I would say, stretching is a great word. You, you were ready for me to get back home. Yes. And I was so ready to be back home, even though I'd had a great trip. Like I had missed you all. And I was so excited to come home and to be with you. And we were going to drive home from DC. And I just like, I had been anxiously awaiting getting to come 
out of customs and just hug you and see you. Now, also, another thing, we got to paint a picture of me as a rule follower. Yes, very much a rule follower. So because I hadn't traveled internationally at this point and had really no idea about a lot of things, I didn't know that one of the things that Mm -hmm. always happens every time you travel from an international, on an international trip to the U.S., you have a little form that you fill out. And this form asks you some really basic questions. You know, have you had interaction with livestock, such as on a farm? Have you, did you bring any fresh fruits and vegetables back with you? A couple other questions on there, really basic, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know this. Well, one of the questions on that was, did you bring any fresh meat back with you? Maybe it was just meat. It's meat and vegetables and 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 fruit. So I didn't know that you get this form. And when we were getting ready to leave South Africa, one of our friends there had said, oh, you fell in love with this stuff called biltong. Let's go to the meat market and let's get some biltong and let's get it vacuum packed so you can bring it back home and share it with your family. And I thought, oh, that's such a great idea. This is like a piece of South Africa that I can bring back to my family. And for those of you who don't know what biltong is, it's it's similar to beef jerky. It's it's a special kind of dried meat that is very much a South African sort of food. Yes. And you guys had never experienced it before, and I experienced all these unique foods, and so this was one I could bring back. So I had this biltong in my suitcase, not ever thinking. I mean, it's vacuum-packed. The thought never crossed my mind that there would be any issue with me bringing the biltong back. And then we get on the plane, and the suitcase is checked, so it's not like it's in my overhead luggage. And we get that form, and all of a sudden... I realize we have a problem. I'm going to have to put on the form that I brought meat back with me, which honestly I was like, okay, whatever. Like I didn't know it'll be okay. So I checked that. Well, then when you go through customs, if you have checked that you brought any of those things or did any of those big no-nos, you get put in a very special line And then you get to go through a very special sort of experience at customs. There are sometimes dogs involved and it's just, it's a special experience anyway. But all this time I was just thinking, you know, just let's just get through customs. I just can't wait to see Jesse. I'm so excited. And I think it probably took an extra, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes or something. And you knew that the plane had landed. You knew that, you know, we were picking up our luggage. You knew all of this. But somehow, I don't think that I was able, I couldn't have my phone. They wouldn't let me use my phone from the time that I had declared that I'd done this thing to then I had to go through the special experience at customs where they had to go through every single piece of my luggage and there were dogs and everything. And obviously, I had to throw out the biltong. And so this took a whole lot of extra time. And so you're out waiting, you know, on the other side of customs for me to come out and I'm not coming. Well, and the people that you were traveling with already came out and they came out and just happened to say to you, oh, um, no, it was just, it was just, 
it was just one person that I was with. And, and she said to you, Oh, Crystal, I think, I don't know. What did she exactly say? I think she said you? you got detained in customs. So probably those were not the best words to no, use. No. Because <laughs> you're already nervous about, you know, Ebola and nervous about me and all this stuff. And so you blow this up into this huge, huge thing. Well, in my defense, using the word detained with uh, law enforcement is is not necessarily the right kind of verbiage to use to me. That's probably accurate. Yes. That's a very accurate statement. So you become very, very upset. Is that, am I, I'm not, I'm not over dramatizing that. Maybe one very. Okay. <laughs> and I'm back there oblivious, just thinking like, well, I can't believe I brought Biltong, live and learn. And just, you know, like, I just want to get this done. And it was, it really wasn't that big of a deal, except no. for that it just took a long time. They had to go through all of my stuff, but they were very kind and nice. And I was all just like, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And it was, it was fine. It wasn't like they were detaining me at gunpoint or something and, you know, like interrogating me. It was nothing like that. It was very, yes, there were dogs. Yes. They went through everything, but it wasn't it wasn't, it, it was, it was a harmless mistake that I made, or I don't know if harm, I mean, it was a, no, no, yes, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It and, was a naive mistake yeah. that I made. So finally I come out to see you guys and I'm so excited to get to see you and hug you and tell you all about my trip. And you would not even look at me. You didn't hug <laughs> me. You wouldn't <laughs> talk to me. So the kids, we have this picture of the kids, like they're, my friend took it where they're all surrounding me and they have their arms around me. You're nowhere to be seen because you're off to the side. And I think smoke is coming out of your ears. It was, a, it was bad. It, was it wasn't bad. that bad. And but I, yes. and, and so I'm clueless and I'm like, cause I am hugging all the kids and everything. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why is Jesse not over here hugging me and kissing me? I have been gone for like, we, we were so excited to see one another. Needless to say, it took a long time, probably an entire 24 hours before you calmed down enough to recognize that it was indeed a naive mistake. And I did not purposely bring meat okay. on okay. the plane. No, no, no. You did, you did purposefully bring meat <laughs> on the plane. You did not know that you were not allowed to bring meat on the plane. Though, in my defense, again, I learned something new today. And yes. that is that you filled out the form correctly. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> because I'd assumed that you did not fill the form no, out correctly. I, I'm not and so that lie. was kind of the basis of why I was upset with you. But what what did you think I did? I thought that they like that you went through and they like I lied found, found I lied it, on well, the form or, and then the dogs found it. Yeah, something like that. That's why I was upset. Of course, you remember that's we why some marriage counseling for that's this. why she used the word and she used the word detained. I, that's what I went to. So for five years, yes. you have thought yes for five whole years. Well, I'm glad we're doing this podcast, y'all. Yeah, because now the truth comes out that I totally filled out my form correctly and I just totally declared that I had done the wrong thing and it was yeah. Anyway, finally we went. So we're in at the airport and you were just, you won't talk to me. You just won't talk to me. And now I find out because you thought I, I lied and got completely. detained and probably was going to have to go to jail or something. That's and, my thought process. <laughs> my word. <laughs> I, 
okay, well, maybe we should move on to the next story now. Or, um, no, but it, it was, here's the funny thing. So once you finally, you know, I told you, I said, honey, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that was on the forum. I never once the thought never crossed my mind that you couldn't bring Bill Tong back. I was so excited to get to bring it back for you guys. The, the funny thing was, so a few days later, I don't know that you ever apologized for this. So maybe this would be a good time for you. Okay, to, I apologize in advance. For you to apologize. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to no, no, say. No, no. I don't think you ever apologized for being so angry with me at the airport. So, you know, yes, I do I'm, apologize for being so angry waiting. with you I'm at so the waiting. airport. And for you apparently falsely accusing yes, me of well, things yeah. for five years. You got to remember, I always go worst case scenario for one. And then for two, uh, when, when with my criminal defense background, that's automatically what I would go to. So... But about three days later, this brown paper package shows up on, I remember this. on the kitchen table. He had found a local store that sold biltong <laughs> and he had bought some. And I think it was his way of saying, I'm really sorry. And probably you didn't deserve to be treated like that. Yes. Plus, it was really good. And for here on out, I will never, ever, ever ever bring fruit, vegetables, or any sort of meat back home on any trip, I always have to learn my lesson the hard way. All right, Jesse, you have a fishing story to tell. And it's not one of those that the fish was so big, you know, and it always keeps getting bigger. Yeah, like. yeah. So if any of you have listened to our podcast for very long, you know, Back in August, I went on a fishing trip, deep sea fishing trip down in Louisiana. Well, it was a friend of mine, his dad, and then a couple of his dad's friends. So the two friends were a little older than my friend and I were. Just a little little older. And in the course of the trip, I learned one of them was going to be having a bypass surgery shortly after the trip. So then I learned the other one was on, uh, slept with the CPAP machine. So it was our job to make sure that everybody stayed alive. And we, we already, during the trip. we already established the worst case scenario thing that that's, that's part of, that's part of how you approach life. Okay. So I shared a room with the gentleman that was sleeping with the CPAP machine and I had never even seen a CPAP machine before, yeah, let alone heard one or been with somebody that like. used one. Yeah. So I was sleeping in the uh, top bunk of our little room there and I heard him breathing and I heard the CPAP machine going and he was breathing. And then all of a sudden I did not hear anything. And I was like, "Uh Oh, is he dead? And I was thinking, I'm the last person to see him alive, if so. So I'm going to be questioned and figure, I need to figure out what's going on here. I love so. how you go from like, <laughs> like I go from alive to dead like, and nothing flat. Five you know? seconds. And then it's like, what is my criminal defense? <laughs> like, that's all what, you're what, thinking what's about. What's my culpability how, here? How am I going to make sure to defend myself? <laughs> so self-interest, you know. So anywho. Uh, we're in this on uh, this bunk bed, and the bunk bed is made of of the metal tubing, and it's very creaky. So any movement that you make, it's very loud. So I went down to the foot of my bed where the ladder was, and leaning up against the wall, 
and slowly got down because I wanted to see if he was okay. I wanted to check on him. And the room was dark. There was no lights in the room. So I turned on my phone and I turned on my flashlight and I put my hand in front of my flashlight on my phone. So to kind of block the light so it wouldn't shine in his face and wake him up. So I'm standing, I turn around, look at him. I'm kind of trying to move my hand a little bit. So a little bit of light will shine through and I'll be able to make sure he's okay. So I'm standing there and I don't hear any breathing or anything. He says, you need anything, bud? I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to the bathroom. So just everything's okay. Just, just shining my light on you before I go to the bathroom. That's just, exactly. that's just what I usually no. do. And so I get up, go to the bathroom, which is another story in and of itself, the whole bathroom situation. Come back and uh, go back up to the bed and go to sleep. So I get up the next morning and he's sitting up at the kitchen table and he's starting to tell the story to the other guys. He's laughing. He said, I'm really happy to be alive this morning. Um, because I, I got, a, was woken up in the middle of the night, this loud noise coming and I didn't know what it was. And I woke up, turned around and it looked like this ghost was in front of me. Like, I didn't know this guy that was sleeping in the top bunk. Was he an ax murderer? Is he going to kill me? Cause I just look at him and his, it's like, he's telling a ghost story. He's got this light shining up his face and making his face like glow. And like you felt telling a ghost story around the campfire. And then it was like, do you need anything? And, and he said, no, everything's just fine. And so I, we were just dying laughing. That, And so I had to correct him and say, no, I thought you were dying. And I had to go and check up on you, make sure you were still alive. And everybody just started rolling. So it was a lot of fun. Our third story that we have is one that I have never told on the internet and only a few people know this story and I might offend some people by telling this one, but I don't know which one you're going to tell. Oh, this is the focus on the family story. Oh yes. That was, <laughs> that was, that was funny. So I got asked to be a guest on focus on the family. Um, this was, I don't know. I don't know how many years ago this was, but it was, I'm trying to think it was my first time to be on focus on the family. I've been on focus on the family twice. But anyway, so I flew to Colorado and I stayed at a hotel and this was, it was back in the days of Periscope, which is the precursor to Instagram live, Facebook live. And I was very active on Periscope and I had Periscope because I was kind of an early adopter of it and was very active on it. They had promoted me a lot on their homepage. And so I had quickly gotten thousands and thousands of followers on Periscope. So just had kind of amassed this big following thanks to Periscope promoting me. And I would get on there regularly. And so there's a thing on Periscope where you could buy followers. And it was kind of a thing where people would you know, pay money. You can do this on Instagram now and stuff where you can buy followers. And I had never done that. It was just because Periscope had promoted me on their homepage um, that I had gotten so many followers. Well, there was this particular Periscoper who somehow had come across my account and she was very, I, I don't know what the word is exactly, but bothered by the fact that I had so many followers and she watched some of my live videos and saw that there were actually a number of people who were spamming it, which is very was very common on Periscope. And so she kind of created this 
story that I was buying followers. And so she ended up doing a live video talking about me and talking about the fact that I had bought followers. And so I'm actually in this hotel in Colorado Springs and I start getting messages from people saying, hey, did you know that this person is saying that you're buying followers? Is that true? And it started... I got so many messages about that and people saying, I can't believe that you would buy followers. I'm so you know offended and shocked and all that. Automatically so, thinking the... Totally believe everything yeah. here on the internet. But anyway, and so I realized quickly that this, this was escalating and I needed to hop on and kind of be really honest and just address this. I don't typically address things like this, but because it was growing, it was kind of getting out of hand. So I hopped onto Periscope. I did this live video. I kind of explained how my followers had grown and I kind of just addressed it and and really was encouraging people, don't believe everything you hear on the internet right away and, you know, check your facts. And I appreciate the people that came to me and actually did the fact checking and everything. So, and I'm in this hotel room in Colorado Springs, getting ready to go and focus on the family next day. But what I didn't tell you is that the the periscoper who was who had done this, she was actually a pretty well-known former porn star. And it turned out to be this beautiful thing because she and I were able to have interactions and she actually publicly apologized. And, and it was just, it was, and I really encouraged my followers, like, please go love on her. Don't go send her hate. Like that is not what, that is not what we're about. That's not what we do. And so that it was really, you know, beautiful to see, but I'm going to focus on the family the next day. And so I get ready the next morning. Things are still kind of blowing up with this whole situation. And I leave to go and go do my interview. And I'm sitting in the lobby, uh, focus on the family, a very conservative, family-oriented sort of organization, probably most of you are familiar with. And I open up my laptop and she had just issued this public apology and she posted it on Twitter. And for some odd reason, so picture me, I'm in the middle of the focus on the family lobby. There are people can walk all around where, where I was sitting. Like there's, it's a couch that there's a lot of tr- foot traffic right behind so in the middle of an atrium. Aren't there a lot of glass windows around there too? Yes. It's, you know, very public location and I have my laptop open. And for some odd reason, I decided to to Google this woman and go to her website. I just really wasn't connecting the dots. And I was just, I was just really trying to, I think it was probably like find out more about her because she just posted this public apology and everything. And that is how I ended up with my laptop open, looking at porn in the middle of the focus on the family lobby. Can we just say that I never have clicked off of a website so quickly. It was like one of those moments where you just, your heart is in your throat. You're like, I have done this horrible, awful, terrible thing. And I totally didn't mean to. And it was so embarrassing. Gratefully, I don't think that there was anybody who actually saw it, but can you imagine if you walked behind me at that point? Can you imagine the stories that you would have made up? Can you imagine what that could have turned into? And so that's an, another great example of how you should never just 
jump to a conclusion by something that you just see something and you just take it and assume maybe kind of back like the Biltong. You assume worst case scenario. But anyway, so yes, I guess my full confession is I I looked at porn in the focus on the family lobby. On accident. (laughs) On total accident. It's like, I need to bleach my brain. It was horrible. It was terrible. And gratefully, I think her, her website, it was like one of those things where you had to kind of navigate more before you really right. got it was into, more of the landing page it was yeah before you really got into things but it was it was just pic- graphics i guess it was horrifying we saved our best travel story for Ooh, last yes. and this one some of you are going to think that it is totally made up and this one has layers too this one has a lot of layers yes first layer is we fly american airlines through a place called Dallas-Fort Worth that goes by the initials DFW, which also stands for Delayed for Weather. Or it could be Delayed for Whatever. Yeah, (laughs) Delayed for Whatever. (laughs) That's where this starts. So we are all, as a family, in our very favorite home away from home, DFW, (laughs) where we've spent many an hour and our flight was supposed to be back to Nashville and something had happened. I don't remember what, and they could not get us on a flight back to Nashville. And I think they were telling us it was going to be two days or something. Mm -hmm. And we have been stuck there for the most we've ever been stuck. There was four days before we finally rented a car and Mm -hmm. just drove. So we know that it's never a good sign if they're telling us "Mm, it's probably going to be two days. So I got on the phone, you had called them. We talked to the people at the gate. We talked to people at customer service. They're just like, no, there's nothing we could do. Well, last ditch effort, I called again and I said, we will take any flight anywhere in the U S <laughs> that we don't care how many legs we just would like to get back to Nashville in the next 24 hours. Cause I believe this was day two, I believe on this particular delay. And so they got us on a flight. They So we went from Dallas to Miami. Which is another hub for American. And then to Nashville. And it was going to be a really tight connection. We made it to Miami and we had to run. We ran. At top speed, all five of us run through the airport. We were sweating and huffing and puffing. We were the last people on that flight. They, they closed, closed the doors the, yep. basically right after we walked on. So we get there, we sit down and it's like, <sighs> no, we did not sit down. We had to tell somebody to get out of our seat first. Okay. There was somebody. Yes, that's right. I forgot that's about where this. It started. so many layers. So there was somebody in our seat, but we finally, we sat down and we're all just like, Oh, we're going to actually make it back to Nashville tonight. We did not think this was going to happen. And then right about that time, it involved that same person, (laughs) the person who had moved across the aisle starts fighting with the person in front of him. It was a younger Mm -hmm. gentleman and an older gentleman. The younger one was in the seat that was our seat. And then the older gentleman was behind him. So they're right across the aisle from us. And we, we are in two where we were split up in two rows and they were in the two rows right across across the aisle. Yep. And they start fighting. 
the older gentleman was getting very angry with the younger gentleman saying that he was kicking his seat. And pretty soon the older gentleman is standing up. Yeah. Threatening to punch him as, as we are taxiing to take off. He's like, and the younger um, gentleman is like shaking the seat. Do you remember that? It was bad. And we're like, where are the, where are the tendons? (laughs) This is bad. (laughs) Finally, they calmed down somewhat and we took off and we're like, okay, well, about, and I think this was maybe like a two or two two and a half hours. Yeah, It was a longer flight. So maybe 20, 30 minutes into this flight, maybe it was a little longer than that. It was a little bit longer than that because we ended up being over Chattanooga when everything went down. Okay. So I'm thinking... An hour, probably an hour, an hour into the flight. I'm working on my laptop, totally oblivious, not paying any attention. There's an empty seat right next to me and it was the aisle seat. So I'm in the middle. There's the aisle seat that's empty. I'm on my laptop working. And all of a sudden there's another older gentleman walking down the aisle. Away from the bathrooms. Like he just gone to the bathroom He was walking, you know, right past me and he just starts shaking and trying to like hang on to the seats and he ends up completely collapsing into that empty seat and slumps over on me. (laughs) And he has, he had a cup of orange juice in his hand and it like spills and he has, he is completely slumped over on me. And it's like his head is hanging on t- over my shoulder and his whole body is leaned into me. And like his full weight is on your shoulder. And yes. And he's shaking. And I am thinking he's going to die or he's going to start violently vomiting or s- seizuring or something mm-hmm. like there's something massively wrong. And he was not coherent because I was trying to get his attention and he was, he was not coherent. And so I am trying to figure out what do I do? So I have my laptop and I think I've got to close this laptop up because if he starts throwing up everywhere, like, so I close my laptop, I, I put it and I think, I think Silas Silas was sitting sitting next to me and I was trying to kind of shield him too, because it was a scary situation. And I thought he's going to, you know, he's fairly young at this time. And I'm like, he's going to be scared. So this man had slumped over on me and I like no one else seems to really see what's going on. I and, didn't know what was yeah, going on. Didn't I didn't hear know. anything. And so I'm like hollering for a flight attendant. And so then finally a flight attendant comes over and she doesn't know what to do. And I said, this man needs medical attention. And I'm literally this is going to my Enneagram eight, but I'm like, can you say over the PA system? Is there someone here who is a doctor or nurse who can come help? And he, this guy is still completely slumped over on me, completely incoherent. So we're dealing with this. They finally get, there's someone who is a nurse or. I think I like get some of the ER doc or a cardiologist. Yeah, there were, back. there were multiple people who came back to try to help. And then, and, but he's still slumped over on me and they're still trying to figure out. And they're asking me like, what happened? You know, they're asking me all this information. I'm like, I don't have a clue who this man is. Like he just came and collapsed on me. And so this is all going down. Mind you across the aisle, 
straight across the aisle from both of us are still that young man and that older man who did not get along at the beginning of the flight. And they, the people that are helping the person that was sitting next to you are in between us and those people. So that, that's the, how close they were in, in proximity to whole, this whole situation. So all of a sudden, they start fighting again. And it's not, it's not just threatening. Like, it's getting violent. And it was so beyond bizarre. Because here, I'm like, are you oblivious to the fact that there's a man dying right across the aisle from you? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like he was dying. We yeah. didn't know. And they're trying to, like, get hook up an IV to him to give mm-hmm. him fluids. They're trying to, like, do everything that they can to try to get him to come to. And right across the aisle, then these two guys start fighting and they like they're standing up and they're yelling in one another's face and like they're pushing like i was afraid it was scary because how violent they were starting to get and it was i mean it sounds like we're making up this story yeah well the other thing too is the older gentleman that was fighting his girlfriend got up to help she was a nurse and she's helping with this situation while he is totally oblivious and fighting with this young man. So anyway, what ended up happening, they took the, the younger, the younger guy and put him in a different part of the plane. Mm -hmm. And I think they maybe took him off the plane and did they detain him? Am I remembering correctly? I I know he had at the end, there was law enforcement waiting and there's also an ambulance waiting. And I know that he had to be escorted back to get his luggage because they didn't let him take his luggage up to the front when they relocated him. So he, they had to come back and get his carry-ons. And we, we were curious, wondering if something was going to go down then, uh, but thankfully it didn't. So there's that. And then the man that collapsed on me, they ended up finally, the ER doctor and the nurse, they decided they finally, finally, after it was a long time that he was l- like slumped over on mm-hmm. me. They got him up. They they never got him to come to. They gave him a an IV. They couldn't get him to come to, but they got him like they felt like he was a little bit more stabilized and they thought maybe it was something to do with his blood sugar or something. Mm-hmm. They really weren't sure. And so then they carried him like they got him kind of like flat and multiple people carried him to the back of the plane where there were three seats in a row that there weren't anyone and they laid him down there and then they had the IV and they worked on him there. I think his wife came back. We figured out who she was yeah. like that. And she said he had some blood sugar issues and some things. Um, and so then an ambulance met us at the gate and mm-hmm. law enforcement met us at the gate. <laughs> they would not let anybody get off the plane until they dealt with the two situations. Yes. So we just happened to be right smack dab in the middle of all of it. So there you go. Those are four of our crazy travel stories. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it maybe took your mind off of some things in your life and you were able to laugh a little. Although I'm thinking that last one was a little bit. The good news is, is we heard that the man yeah, was okay. Everything by the time came they, out. By the time the ambulance well. came, we we checked and they said, yep. honestly, they had gotten him to come to because he was far at the back of the plane. So we couldn't really tell. So we went and asked and they said they were actually just taking him on the ambulance just as a precautionary thing. And he was totally fine. I think mm-hmm. once they got the fluids in him, they thought he was dehydrated. It's what it was. 
And so once they got that in him, then they were able to get him to come too. So good news. We don't know what happened with the young man, but hopefully that all turned out and had a really great ending and everyone lived happily ever after. (laughs) (laughs) So there's our travel stories. We'd love to hear from you. What are your crazy travel stories? Tell us. I'm sure that someone has, someone can top some of these. Oh yes, definitely. We want to hear from you and maybe we'll share some of them on a future episode. But thanks for joining us today. I hope you have a, I don't know, I hate to say a great week, but I hope that you not just survive this week, but maybe are able to see some blessings in it and an opportunity to be a blessing as well. Yeah. And we will hopefully see you back next week with another episode. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 